0: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: We go to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We're going to do that like every game now, Chris. (laughs) Chris
2: Feeder joining us. You buried the lead. How many points did they give up in his first game as a starter?
1: Uh, He wasn't good.
2: Yeah. How many points did they give up?
1: I'm just giving information. I'm not drawing any statistical analysis <laughs> Stop here. ruining his bit. Don't the, do that to him. The
2: second most that Miami has given up all season long, I'm sure that was just a coincidence. It might have
1: been just a coincidence. Poor guy oh, hadn't sure. played in a month. All I know sure. is last night at 245 <laughs> in the third quarter with the Cavs up by 20, the Cavs bench had two I, I'm points. Gonna, I'm going to go out yeah. on a
3: big limb on this and not call him a two. poor guy. Not a poor guy. Can we, can we stop? He's not poor. He's not poor okay. in any way, shape, all right, or great.
1: form. Great, you know what I was talking about. Okay, all right, all right. So again, two games not any indication yeah. for Kevin, but at least he, you know, he came up with a double double and put some put some stats up. And the Cavs yeah. bench is depleted. Is that okay, Chris? And part of me thinks yes, because your core four guys are so good. And yet I think at some point, Darius is going to be in foul trouble or have an off night or, or Donovan's not going to have it going. I'm, I'm just sitting here think my fingers are crossed, can the four guys win a playoff series
2: for the Cavs? Yeah, so I think there's just a reality of the way that the Cavs are constructed, guys, for this year. And it doesn't mean that they're going to be constructed the same way next year or the year after or the year after. But for this year, because they were so limited at the trade deadline, and because of the situation with Kevin Love, and because of the the lack of financial flexibility that they had, um, their core four are going to have to carry a heavy burden. That's the reality of it, including in the playoffs. I was talking to multiple people inside the organization over the last couple of weeks and saying, like, hey, when you get to the playoffs, what are we thinking these guys are going to be playing? 40-plus? And everybody nodded yes.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, feels that way.
2: I just think Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen are going to have to play as much as they possibly can to be as effective as they possibly can for the Cavs to consistently win down the stretch year, and also win a seven-game series if that's what their aspiration is. And everybody inside the organization understands
3: that. All right, so Chris, help me set my expectations for the rest of the year then. I mean, they're above I, – I still think big picture for me – being the four seed right now is above expectation for what I expected for the year. What, where am I now? Should I regroup or should I be like, okay, let's just get to the playoffs and win one series? What's my expectations? Help me.
2: I think, I think it's get to the playoffs and win one series, if they can win that one series. And I think their ability to win that series in the first round hinges on who they match up against in that first round. Look, right now, the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference is Brooklyn. I think a lot of people around the NBA would take the Cavs to win a seven-game series against Brooklyn. But if that fifth seed becomes New York, if that fifth seed becomes the Miami Heat, okay, then it's a different kind of conversation, right? Um, Then you're playing against guys and a team that has been there, done that, that has experienced things together that you haven't experienced, that has the kind of uh, know-how when you get into a seven-game series that you don't have. So I think a lot of it hinges on who the Cavs would match up with in the first round. But beyond that, and I've been saying it and writing it since the beginning of the year, there are levels to good in the NBA. There are tiers within conferences in the NBA. And the top tier of the East has always been Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly. And Brooklyn was in that top tier, too, when they had Kyrie and Kevin Durant. But they decided to dismantle that team and go a different direction. And the Cavs have always been in that next tier behind those teams. So to expect the Cavs to win a playoff series against any of those three teams in the East, I think that's a little bit too soon. I don't think they're ready for that level of expectation, even after trading for somebody like Donovan Mitchell.
1: Chris Fedor joining us. Covers the Cavaliers for the Plain Dealer dot Cleveland.com. All right, so we mentioned the core four. Mm-hmm. Isaac Okoro has been starting at small forward. Dean Wade has not. Lamar Stevens not getting a lot of playing time. Karis LeVert's been key off the bench. Now you have Danny Green. Does JB tinker with the rotation at all here down the stretch or do you think they're locked into Isaac starting at the small forward spot and then if, you know, if they need to want to give a given night somebody else gets a lot more playing time?
2: I think guys, the playoffs could be different. They didn't sign Danny Green for end of February, early March. They have a big picture plan with Danny Green about if he's going to give us something, and that's a big if, if he's going to give us something, it's going to be the last couple of games of the regular season and into a playoff series. Um, And I think that's how they're approaching it. It's not a coincidence that Danny Green, the only time that he has played so far for the Cavs since signing is when the game has been completely out of hand one way or the other. If it's a tight game, if it's a closely contested game, I don't think the Cavs feel like they can go to Danny in that situation. I don't think they feel like that's putting him in a position to be successful. Coming off the knee injury that he's coming off of, learning the system the way that he has to, reintegrating himself, like all that kind of stuff. I mean, by the end of March, Danny Green will have completed the Tour de France given how much he rides the bike in the tunnel during games. He's got to get himself back into shape. He's got to work his way into a situation where he can help them in the postseason. But that's not where he's at right now, physically and mentally. So I think he's going to be part of it once they get to the playoffs. But the top seven are set. Everybody knows that. The top two coming off the bench are Ricky Rubio and Karis LeVert. And then the eighth nine is going to rotate based on what the Cavs need on that specific night in that specific matchup. If they need toughness in defense, Lamar Stevens is going to get a call, just like he did the previous two games against Atlanta and Denver. If they need an offensive spark, all right, then Jetty Osman's going to come off the bench, and maybe he's going to bang some threes for you. If they need a little bit more size, then it's going to be Dean Wade. Like Dean Wade's going to get the first crack at those backup minutes that Kevin Love was getting earlier this season. Right, But beyond that, because these guys are who they are and there's a level of inconsistency to every single one of them, it is going to continue to fluctuate. And it's just going to be a feel thing that J.B. Bickerstaff has to go with on a nightly basis.
1: Chris, had Dean Wade not been injured early and had to miss some games, do you think yeah. things might have played out a little differently? And Do you think he could have latched onto that number three job and and hang on to it and give you the kind of Lowry marketing effect you had last year?
2: I think it's entirely possible. Look, there are people inside the organization that are big time Dean Wade supporters and they have not made it a secret. Um, They point to the numbers, his on off numbers. They point to the Cavs record. Look, they're 21 and seven this year when Dean Wade gets more than 10 minutes, they're 500 when he gets 10 minutes or fewer. So there are numbers backing up the kind of impact that he can bring to the team. And even going back to training camp in the preseason, guys, there were people inside the organization saying Dean should start. Dean should be the starting small forward, not Karis LeVert, not Isaac Okoro, not anybody else. Let's do it with Dean. Um, Obviously, J.B. Bickerstaff went a different direction. He thought Karis LeVert earned it coming out of training camp in the preseason. He changed that 14 games in the regular season and went with Lamar Stevens, and then since about January, it's been Isaac Okoro. But there's nothing that Isaac has done at this point to lose that job, right? And as much as people do like Dean, and he gives you the floor spacing, he gives you the three-point shooting, he gives you better defense, I think, than sometimes he's given credit for, Isaac would have to do something, I think, to lose that job because of the built-in trust that JB has with Isaac during the time that Dean missed. Like, had he been healthy? Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of a different conversation. But there's some built-in goodwill that Isaac has earned um, that Dean hasn't to this point in
1: time. What is it they really like about Isaac?
2: He is a great defender. Um, If you look at his numbers against some of the best guards in the NBA, like, he allows them to not have Darius and Donovan guard those types of players. Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Trey Young, Damian Lillard, those kinds of players, Isaac has completely shut down throughout the course of the year. Now he struggles with size, right? He struggles with stronger guys, but the guards that the Cavs will probably see Jalen Brunson, if they see him in the first round, Tyler Hero, if they see him in the first round, Isaac has completely neutralized those kinds of uh, players and, A lot of what the Cavs do, and you guys know this, a lot of what they do starts and ends on the defensive end of the floor. So if there's a conversation, offense or defense, defense is going to win the day because that's going to be the blueprint for success for this team coming down the stretch and in a playoff series against whoever it is that they're going against. And Isaac just gives them a better chance to neutralize those kinds of players so that Darius and Donovan can focus more of their attention on the offense. end.
3: Uh, Chris, when you look at JB now compared to where he was a year ago with this team, um, what do you mm-hmm. think he's what has he learned? And and how would, how could things be different or just trying to prejudge some of his decision making and make down the stretch in games? What, what what have we learned?
2: I think he's been good, guys. Yeah. Um look, he, he obviously has some things that he needs to get better at. Um, I I think he's become a better coach as the season has gone on with the more experience that he's gotten and the more information that he's gotten. But the thing that I have always been impressed with, with JB is that he doesn't care about anything else, about like politics, about like status, about who a guy is and what he's accomplished throughout the course of his career. If he thinks it's what's best for, for this organization, and for this team to have success, he's going to do it. Pulling Karis Lavert out of the starting lineup 14 games into a regular season, not an easy decision. That's a delicate decision. You know, taking Kevin Love out of the rotation and replacing him with Dean Wade and giving Kevin 12 straight DNP CDs, that's a very delicate decision, right? And he did it in a way where the team didn't crumble, right? The team continued to play well. Um, ultimately, it led to Kevin wanting a buyout, but he did it because he thought it was what the team needed at the time. He did it because he thought it was what was best for the team at the time. Last year, starting Lowry Markin at small forward when everybody thought J.B. was completely nuts for trying that. Like that's what to me impresses me so much is that he's willing to make those decisions and he has enough buy-in and trust from the guys that they don't completely splinter when those kinds of decisions are made.
1: Chris Fedor joining us from the Plain Dealer, PlainDealerCleveland.com. Chris, last thing. Biggest challenge facing Kobe Altman as he moves forward with this team without first-round draft choices, for the most part, starting when in a year or so, and knowing that Cleveland is not a major free agent destination in the NBA. How does Kobe put the pieces around Donovan and Darius and Evan and Jarrett and make this thing work, make it get even better?
2: That's the thing, guys. The hard part, the hardest part is done. There is a core four here that many teams around the NBA would love to have. Um, There are four guys that you know all fit together, all play well with each other, and all can have success at the highest level. Now it's about finding the fit and the pieces around those guys. And I think fit is very, very important. Because for a while, when the Cavs were going through the rebuild, they were basically saying, to hell with fit, right? We just need talent. We just need to find guys that can play at a high level. And they weren't worried about, okay, how would this guy play next to Darius Garland? Or, okay, how would this guy play next to Colin Sexton at the time that he was here? It was just about finding dudes um, and taking swings on a whole bunch of talent. Now it's about, okay, like what do we need from the, fall, the small forward spot to complement um, the core four, right? What do we need coming off the bench? Can Karras LeVert fit well next to what we have, or would it be better to find a better-fitting player than somebody like Karras? So obviously the two glaring issues that this team has, to me, They don't have enough shooting. They need more shooting because Evan Mobley and Jared Allen still are a bit limited when it comes to that aspect, and Isaac Okoro limited when it comes to that as well. They haven't been a great three-point shooting team since their hot start at the beginning of the year. So they need to find more consistent, reliable shooting. And obviously they need to figure out, is Isaac Okoro the answer to start as as the fifth guy moving forward? Or is there somebody else that can give us a little bit more offense and not have us lose that much defensively? Um, those are the two areas I really think that the Cavs have to figure out. Um, the other thing is they've got to understand like where Ricky Rubio is in terms of his recovery and if he can be something similar to the guy that he was at the beginning of last season when he was very, very impactful. like Everybody says, The second year removed from an ACL injury is when a guy starts to get it back and he plays better. This version of Ricky Rubio that they've gotten for a lot of reasons and because there are a lot of circumstances tied to it, he hasn't been nearly as impactful. So can they rely on him moving forward into next offseason or is that something that they have to consider behind Darius? Because playing Darius and Donovan, you know, 37 to 39 minutes every single night in the regular season. Uh-uh, that, that just can't continue. You're going to run these guys into the ground.
1: Which, of course, is a fear with the playoffs approaching, so we'll see. Yep. Chris, thank you, buddy. Thanks, man. You got it, guys. Anytime. Chris Fedor, plane dealer, Cleveland.com, covers the Cavaliers. And he joined us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.